Go and prove it, peeps. I have a show for you today. Okay, we have the one, the only Joy Young. And Joy, pun intended, is a joy to talk to. She's currently the VP of People at Suzy. She is passionate about people and shrimp and is the proud pet parent, that is a tongue twister, of a French bulldog named Olivia Pope. Amazing. She's spent the last 15 years in HR and the last five years building HR departments or functions in high growth organizations. This show is jam-packed. And as the title says, we are giving you three tips to manage neurodiverse team members. You'll hear the benefits of managing neurodiverse team members, the challenges, and then we're going to give you those three tips. So stay tuned and take a pen and a paper out if this is something that you need to hear more of within your organization. Quick housekeeping item before you leave today, this show do me two favors. Number one, go to the show notes and click on our hybrid hype download for your team. This is going to be a PDF filled with questions and thoughts for you to engage your team in this hybrid work environment. Number two, second thing that I would love from you is to leave a review on this show. If today's show or any of the improved episodes have spoken to you, you will literally make a small business owner do a happy dance by leaving a review on iTunes. It takes literally five seconds to go down, scroll, hit five stars on this show. If you want to leave a comment, even better. But I will literally do a happy dance. I'll even, if you tell me you left a review and send me an email at info at learn to improve it or a DM at keeping it real deal, I'll send you a video of me jumping up and down and screaming because you left this review. So please do that. It means so much to myself and our team. That's all the housekeeping for today. I can't wait to introduce you to Joy. So let's get right to it. Let's improve it with Joy Young. Are you a leader or change maker inside of your business, organization, or corporation? Are you looking for new, innovative ways to drive morale through the roof? Are you looking for fun and exciting icebreakers, team building exercises, and activities that will foster team growth, friendships, loyalty, and completely transform your organization from the inside out? Have you been searching for a fun and unique way to create change instead of the same old dry, boring leadership books and icebreakers that aren't actually working. Hi, I'm Erin Deal, business improv edutainer, fail fluencer, and professional zombie who is ready to help you improve it. My mission in life is to help you develop teams and leaders through play, improv, and experiential learning. In this podcast, we will deep dive into professional development, team building, effective communication, networking, presentation skills, leadership training, how to think more quickly on your feet, and everything in between. We have helped everyone from Fortune 500 companies to small mom and pop shops transform their business, their leadership, and their people through play. So grab your chicken hat. We are about to have some fun. Welcome to Improve It, the podcast. Joy. Welcome to the Improve It podcast. I'm thrilled to get to know you, for you to talk to our audience, for them to get to know you. So welcome. 
Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, I alluded to this before we hit record, but I want to know fun five fun facts about joy that we couldn't find from your LinkedIn profile, from your resume, from your bio. What are five fun things about joy? And this has a little ditty that goes with it. We do this in one of our workshops and improve it. Um, It goes like this, five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts. What are five things about joy that we don't know? Oh, five things. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what, what do I not know about me? So I think first up, um, my initials and my first name are the same. Oh, um, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah. What's your middle name? What's your middle name? Olivia. Ah, I love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we can thank my dad for that one. Um, the other thing is I have lived in all time zones in the continental United States. So, um, except for the West Coast. So I do have to spend some time there. So I think, you know, I kind of move around a lot. I like to change the scenery. Um, my dad is, uh, was a civil rights um, activist. So he attended the March on Washington, uh, Martin Luther King's funeral, things like that. Wow. I am originally from Mississippi. And I think I have one more fun fact. I am a very, very avid Dallas Cowboys fan. Oh, (laughs) I love it. I'm not an NFL. I'm more college football, but I love that. If I was a college, if I was an NFL, that would be my team because they're just awesome. Okay. That's, I mean, that is great to hear. Okay. Wait, (laughs) can I ask, because you've lived in all these time zones, what was your, what was your favorite city that you've lived in or your favorite place? Boulder, Colorado. I went oh. to the University of Colorado, so I am partial to to that city. It was, you know, it was just a great college experience. So definitely, hands down, my favorite. I love Colorado. It's so cool that you got to go to school there. What a, that is an experience. That's that's like an experience that you can only get in that state. Like there's nowhere else yes. in the world that feels like Colorado. <sighs> Absolutely incredible, gorgeous, just uh, being there is just so refreshing, so refreshing. So, uh, Okay, well, I want to do this. We always set an intention at the top of every show. We do this in everything we do and improve it. So today we are going to be talking about how you manage neurodiverse team members. So I'm so excited about this topic. But if we could say one word that is the intention for you that you want to get out of today's interview, what would it be? Allyship, I think. Mm. Yeah, that would be the word. I love that word. I love that (laughs) word. Allyship. Okay. Now, let me ask you this before we dive in. Have you ever used improv for business or ever taken an improv class before? No, I have not. And that's okay. And that's the beauty of what this is. So, and I always tell people this, we are improvising right now. This is improv. So when you said too, I asked you before we we had recorded what would make this the best podcast you've ever done. And you said to laugh. That's what we do. We just bring laughter into everything we do play. But this is also a really important topic that, you know, we don't need, we don't want to laugh about, but we can find the joy and and then the allyship and talk about how we can make this something that team members, organizations really put focus into. And through that lens of improv, I like to just say, we're bringing everybody together. It's such a, it's such a important teaching tool and a magical teaching tool because it allows everybody to feel as though they're a part of one 
thing. They are an ensemble. It's not just these individuals. It's one cohesive unit making every voice feel heard and allowing every person on that team to shine. So know that's what we do and improve it. We we help people become their best professional selves through play. And Love it. I'm excited to talk to you about your role really quick. I want to just introduce that to the audience. You're the VP of people at Suzy. So, and you've been doing people-oriented work in your career. What what drew you to this line of being in the people business? What sort of sparked that for you? So I fell into it, actually. I think a lot of HR professionals, this is their answers. Um, they, you know, we, we fall into it. I had gone to law school. That was really <laughs> my best moment. Uh, so I ended up um, starting off as a recruiter. And then I've been in HR ever since. So i um, done, you know, recruiting, uh, people operations, um, global mobility. So all sorts of things across the HR space. And I love it. I love people. I'm curious about people. I want to know what makes them tick. Uh, it's something that, you know, it fuels me to be able to help people help them to show up as their best, their best selves. And it's just exciting. So it, comes naturally to me. And I'm glad that I, I fell into it. Oh, I love it. I have a background in recruiting and staffing as well. I saw that on your LinkedIn. And I that's a, that's a space too. When you come from like a law, you're like, I'm getting a law degree. And then you're like, no, I'm doing recruiting. Those are two totally separate worlds. So yes. what an amazing journey for you. And also, sorry if you heard that noise, I totally picked up my water and dropped my lip gloss. So no mistakes. <laughs> Only gifts here. Uh, we say fail, yeah. So sorry, everybody, for that interruption and your beautiful story. That was my lip gloss falling down. Now my lips are going to look atrocious. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, but, but so I'm so thrilled that you found this path because when you and I got introduced, which through the amazing Jasmine Francis, yes. who was on this show. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was so thrilled to chat with you and I always love to talk to people about what inspires them. And you brought up this idea of neurodiversity. And it's something we haven't talked about on this show before. It's something that is so important, has always been important, but I think is in, tell me if I'm wrong in saying this, I think we are more open now talking about neurodiversity, mental health, invisible disabilities than we've ever been before, especially at work. And I think it's so important to make this topic super well-known. Do you agree with that? Or would you say it's always been a thing, but we just haven't, you know, we've talked about it, but it had sort of a stigma. What, what, what do you think, where do you think it falls right now in the workplace? I definitely think that there is more openness to discussing this and, um, you know, figuring out a way to support newer diverse people in the in the workplace. I think that, you know, to some degree it's always been there, but it's kind of been hidden. And now it's becoming more it's coming more to the to the forefront, which I am really excited about. And so I was glad to have the opportunity to speak with you about, you know, um, how we can continue to improve in this space as as far as from the management perspective as well, because there's still quite a bit of work to be done. Totally. Totally. And it's such an important topic. I know so many people who who I personally know and and colleagues who have some a neurodivergent workforce and are so happy 
that this is becoming more more and more conversational topics. More conversations in leadership are focused on this, and I'm thrilled to chat with you about it today. So I was looking this up before we chatted. I got some stats for us and for our audience because I thought this was super interesting. Okay. So uh, out of nearly 15% of the world's population, 1 billion people experience some form of disability. In the U.S., this includes 2.2% of adults who live with autism spectrum disorder and 4.4% living with ADHD, plus another 2 to 3 million living with OCD. So those stats alone, I think, are so important. But what would you say these figures tell us about the, the importance of incorporating neuro, neurodivergence into the workplace? Yeah, um, I think that it tells us that there's some talent out there that, that yeah. we're missing out on. And we need to be tapping into that. I think, you know, these last couple of years, especially, have shown us that the war for talent is very, very much still a fight. And so I think that we would be remiss if we're not looking at employees from all types of backgrounds. Um, and so, you know, neurodiverse people tend to have, you know, above average um, capabilities for a lot of roles. And, you know, it, it's just silly not to to look for them and, and try and figure out, you know, recruitment strategies that will attract them to our, our companies. So, um, it's it's going to unlock so many things and it's a competitive advantage if we can get it right. Oh, yes. Okay. So I love that. And that leads me to, I have, I have a couple, one more statistic here, okay? And one more sort of fact in my, in my studies because I wanted to talk about this with some evidence, right? And I know you have a lot of evidence and thoughts, but I, I found this really interesting. A lot of stigma and stereotypes keep this population out of the workforce. And there was a report released by Accenture in partnership with the Disability Inn and the American Association of People with Disabilities, the AAPD, they found that 29% of working age people with disabilities are participating in the workforce. And the unemployment rate is twice as high than people without disabilities. And this study also found an untapped pool of 10.7 million people that could, to your point, strengthen the U.S. business and the economy. So, I mean, that alone is just crazy. I think, like you said, there's so many competitive advantages to tapping into this population. I want to hear from you. What are the benefits of hiring a neurodivergent workforce? For me, the first thing that comes to mind is that they are going to bring unique perspectives that you might not have previously had in the in the workplace. They might have some different ways of problem solving um, for some of the, the bigger problems that you hadn't even considered. For me personally, I think that it has made me uh, a better leader, a more effective leader, because I've gotten out of this mindset of like, oh, well, there's just, you know, this way to do something or that way to do something. It's also made me consider how I go about managing my my team. So either, either they're neurodiverse or if they're neurotypical, just really asking those questions to really understand them. But uh, I think that it just makes the overall organization better. Um, to have more diverse people on there. So I love that. Can you define for our audience, you said neurodiverse and neurotypical. Can you define the difference between those two? 
Sure. So someone who is neurodiverse is someone that, you know, may have um, a neurological condition such as um, the, being on the autism spectrum, ADHD, bipolar, some of those types of things where a neurotypical person is someone that might not experience those same um, neurological conditions. And so that's kind of the basic level definition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure we clarified that just because I will tell you, uh, diving into this topic, I obviously there's so many conversations now surrounding mental health, but I like these. There's a lot of definitions that I was learning along the way in my research on this as well. So it's good to clarify. And I'm thankful that we have you here and you are an advocate for this population. I want to ask the flip side of this question and just be honest and real with it. What are some of the challenges that you might see associated with leading a neurodivergent workforce? Yeah, so I think one of the things that comes to mind is uh, there's still a stigma about disclosing um, some of these, some of the neurodiverse population. And so that can make it challenging if, if the managers aren't aware of some of the needs um, that would help this individual to perform better. I think that that can be a challenge. And then on the manager's part, like, you know, they could be feeling unequipped if they are disclosed to that they might not know how to properly leave that, that individual. And so I think that those are some of the things that might, you know, prevent a manager from considering a neurodiverse person. Uh, and I think we as an HR team and as leaders in an organization have to work on that to help the managers feel equipped, um, making sure we're creating a culture where uh, disclosure is possible without a stigma. But I think that there's still a bit of a ways to go there, but at least now we're having the conversation. I love it. Can, I like what you said too, HR, and we have so many different types of leaders who listen to this show, but a big population is HR, human resources. So for an HR leader listening, what are some of the best practices. And, not, and it doesn't have to be HR, but I like that you said that because that's typically where people go when they, you know, when they need advice and guidance in their organizations. How can HR make leaders feel more equipped leading? What are some examples of things that you might have done to help leaders feel more equipped? Yeah. So I think um, training is going to be a big component of this. I think it's uh, fairly new for a lot of managers. And so providing, uh, partnering with an external partner. In the past, I've partnered with uh, AHRC New York. They came in and did some training about leading a neurodiverse population, um, even helped with job coaches, those types of things. So there are resources out there available. I think, you know, knowledge sharing articles, just making sure that the conversation is not like a one and done conversation and then you move on, but just constantly, you know, letting leaders know that we do have neurodiverse people in our, in our population, in our, in our companies, and just making sure that they have those resources available to them when they need it and before they need it and making sure that they're thinking about it just as much as we are in HR. So. I love that. That is, I mean, it's so important. And I like that you said to making sure that leaders know that there are, there is a neurodiverse population. Making that known is so important so that leader can equip themselves with the proper tools that they need to make that individual or the individuals feel seen, heard, and valued. So thanks for that. And let me ask you this. So if you could say three tips like three major things that 
leaders could do to lead neurodiverse teams or team members within these teams, what would those three tips be? It's kind of some of the things that you're already doing with neurotypical. Um, so I think listening, active listening. I have managers that come and tell me, oh, this person said this, and now they're needing all these things. And I'm like, did they say that? Did they say that? Or did you actually listen to them? And they're like, oh, wait. And then I'll get involved in the conversation. I'm like, I, I had totally different takeaways yeah. than what you just said. <laughs> so I'm like, um, I think that they should also ask uh, quality questions. I think it's more, you know, than just like, hey, how are you? How was your weekend? But, you know, especially early on when you're first leading anyone on your team, you know, talking to them about how do you like to be communicated to? Um, how does stress show up for you in the workplace? Uh, what are some things like your ideal manager? What are some things that they can do to support you? That way you're having a different type of conversation with the employee. And if they are comfortable disclosing, they may. But if they're not, at least you're trying to figure out like the best way to work with them so that you're getting their best performance. So I think those are the questions that come to mind for me. I love that. Okay. And what would you say number three? You have active listening, ask quality questions. And then what's your third? Because I was going to ask you, what are some examples of questions? And I I literally was typing them out because I'm like, these are good questions to ask. What would number three be? Number three is probably just, you know, asking them for feedback about your management style, then um, talking to them about like, is, is this working for you? It has to be like a, a two-way street, I think, reciprocated. So um, just making sure that you're not only asking for their input about how they work, but asking, you know, for feedback on how you're managing them and seeing if there's any tweaks that need to be made. So I think it helps to build that relationship, build that trust. So if they want to disclose, if they haven't already, you know, they know that they can come to you with those things. Um, I think that, you know, if there's something else going on in their lives beyond that, like maybe, you know, family members are ill. We have a lot of caretakers in the workplace now as well. So like, you know, just trying to have that open dialogue, I think is helpful, especially in this remote environment where you're like... (laughs) On, on Zoom calls all day, I think you have to like build in that intentional time to really talk to people and dig even deeper because you're not in the office where you can just kind of do some chit chat and it might lead to to some um, other conversations. But now you have to be even more intentional about it. So I freaking love that. We had um, Kim Scott, the author of Radical Candor. Ah! She was I love that book. And she she was on this show. Are you, do you, have you read the book? So at Suzy, radical candor is a part of our DNA. So um, that's why when you said that, I lit up. And I literally have her book on my desk as well as her new one, Just Work. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And we had Trier Bryant with her on the show as well. We'll link to this in the show notes. So we, we show, show notes, show notes. Um, the show is nuts. Um, but we'll link to those episodes because th- that is like, the biggest takeaway, as you said, at Susie, if, if radical candor is a part of your DNA, is giving feedback, but asking for it before you give. And I have taken that into so much of my work as a leader with my own team. And I think leading any type of population, but especially if you are leading a neurodiverse workforce, that feedback that you receive from them is so invaluable. Like it is almost, in my opinion, the feedback from a team member to a leader 
is more important than the feedback the leader gives the team member. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I got to maybe introduce you to Kim. Maybe that could happen post-show. Okay. Maybe that could happen. Yeah, she came and she did a, a session, like a Q&A session at Susie for us before I joined. So we have the recording. So I've gone back and watched it because I was like, oh, this is exciting. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, and she loves improv. She is like a huge proponent of improv in the workplace. So this is, okay, now, Joy, now I know I can make this tie. We're making, look at these connections happening on the podcast, the yeah. Improve It podcast. But that's, I love these. And I just want to recap what you said. The three things that you can do are the three most active tips to leading a neurodiverse workforce, active listening, which I love, which, you know, you expanded on, but listening to understand, not respond, asking those quality questions. How do you like to be communicated to? I loved your question of how does stress show up for you in the workplace? Oh my God. Brilliant. Brilliant. And then asking them for feedback about your management style. Those are, I mean, Top three tips if I ever heard them. Um, <laughs> and I think, th- I know that um, we this topic is something that is now, like we, ta- we said, it's definitely becoming more normalized in the workplace. I think it should have been years ago. We all carry some form of stress. We all carry some form of anxiety. We all have things, especially in the past two years, good God, that spill over into work. I mean, we now work where we live, most of us. And yes. a huge, I shouldn't say most, a huge, uh, half the population in the corporate world is working from home at this point. And I think this is, as you said, it's time to be intentional about those conversations and make the people who are a part of a neurodiverse workforce feel like they are seen, they are heard, and that they belong because they do. And I love the thing that you said, a competitive advantage, the benefits. So if you could tell leaders one thing to start doing when it comes to leading a neurodiverse workforce what would it be? And I'm going to follow this question with, if you could tell them one thing to stop doing when it comes to leading. So what would you tell them to start doing and stop doing? So one thing I think I would tell them to start doing is considering that there's more than one way to do something. I think a lot of leaders feel like if you don't do it this way, then that's just the wrong way. And uh, that could be, you know, upsetting to somebody who is neurodiverse. So I, with my team, like neurodiverse, neurotypical, I'm like, this is the assignment. This is the goal. How you get there, that's up to you as long as we get there, you know? And then sometimes I am curious about the process and how they got there because I learned something. I'm like, oh, I never thought about it like that. So it's like, okay, I just learned something. So you can benefit from this as well if you allow people to work in a way that works best for them. I think the stop doing is stop assuming. Stop assuming that just because you have met one neurodiverse person, for example, um, I'll stick with autism, that, you know, that you've managed one person and that's on the autism spectrum, that you have managed them all and you treat everyone with autism the same. No, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> and so, you know, you need to approach everyone as a unique, the unique individual that they are and, you know, asking some of those questions that I referenced earlier. I think you also have to stop assuming that neurodiverse uh, employees can only work in specific types of roles. Um, So I think that 
a lot of the signals like, oh, well, this person can't do this type of role because they have this type of neurodiversity. But that's not the case. You would be missing out on a huge, huge opportunity if you if you have that type of mindset. So those are my start and stops. I love it. Do you have a success story that you could share with us about your leadership and leading a neurodiverse team? Is there anything that comes to mind that you're like, I helped this happen or, and maybe you don't disclose the individual or even the organization because I, you know, definitely don't want to share anything that is too detailed, but any success story that comes to mind that you're super proud of when it comes to leading a neurodiverse workforce? as an ally and as an advocate, I think my role is to support and, you know, try and help remove barriers. And in my day-to-day role, I am able to do that being in HR. And so um, I did have an employee previously that uh, was struggling to really connect with her manager and explain like how she worked um, compared to, you know, what her manager, the way that her manager was asking her to work. And uh, she had disclosed to me that she was neurodiverse and she is neurodiverse. And so um, she was kind of like, you know, afraid, right? Fearful to share that type of information with her manager. So, you know, she and I had a couple conversations, went back and forth. And then she came to me one day and said, Hey, I, I disclosed and it worked out well. My manager and I have had a, just an improvement in quality um, with our relationship. And I think, I think for me, that was, that made me feel like, okay, I'm doing something well in yes. my job to, that, that she was comfortable. Uh, her manager then came to me separately and was asking like, what other resources should I be aware of? How else can I support this person? Um, the manager then, you know, took it on her own to co- kind of go out and do some of her own research. And uh, they actually helped to build um, the first neurodiverse ERG at a company at the company that I was at at the time. And so it, it ended up just being this beautiful, beautiful thing that I could not have hoped to go better. But I do know not um, that I'll, that doesn't always happen that way. And I've had the opposite results as well. But um, that one does stand out. That is amazing. They created an ERG group and you impacted this person's life and their job, their quality of work and their quality of life by having those conversations. So I love that. And that's the magic of what these tips can do. Improve it, peeps. That's our audience. Take these fundamentals, use them because that story right there, you changed a life and then you changed multiple people's lives because an ERG group was created for this group. And people were able to find other allies and find people who they can share these experiences with and people who support them and they can go to. So kudos to you. Thanks for sharing that. I love, love that. Now, let me ask you this, Joy. This is the Improve It podcast. So we always say your it is your purpose or that thing you want to bring to the world. So what is Joy's it? What's your it? My it, I think my it is amplifying. Like I want, I know that I'm operating in spaces that not everybody is. And so I want to make sure that I'm being a good ally and a good advocate when I am in the room and I hear things that could impact, you know, um, different communities and things. So I think 
that that's my it. <laughs> I love it. She's an advocate. I love it. And I, I'm going to take you down one more fun path. So this is called the failure lightning round. Okay. You see the sign behind me, failure. So as you know, my lip gloss dropped there. Like I said, that wasn't a mistake. It's a gift. And in improv, we say there are no failures. There's only gifts. So if something happens on stage that seems like a mistake, it becomes a part of the scene. We add to it. We incorporate it. So we celebrate failures and this is called fail. Yeah. So we are going to, I'm going to ask you a series of pretty fun questions and I just want you to respond with one word answers. And if you say more than one word, I'm going to say fail. Yeah. And like a creepy <laughs> voice, like that six flags, old man, you know, with the cane, like, da, 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 like, fail. Yeah. Okay. So I uh, might just say more than one word just so I can hear you say that. <laughs> I'm here for that. I'm here for that because I, I really actually like saying it in that weird voice. Okay. Are you ready, Joy, for the fail? Yeah. Lightning round. Yes. Okay. Here we go. One word to describe your early career. Hectic. One word to describe where you are now in your career. Balance. Oh, one word to describe your leadership. Fun. One word to describe your work from home fashion style. Uh, sweatpants? Yes. And that is one word. That is one word. Okay. Okay. One word to describe this interview. Amazing. Yes. You know, I do that just to boost my ego. All right. So I love it. Joy, tell the Improve It peeps where they can find you if they want to connect with you. Anything. Where should they go if they want more joy in their life, pun intended? Where should they go? Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn slash Joy Young, and then um, I'm on Instagram. So Mo- Moments of Joy 1999. You can find me there. So cute. I love that so much. <laughs> I, I, I'm a punny person myself. My last name has so many puns available. Deal. <laughs> It so does. It, it really does. does. I got I got pun. I love that. I love the pun. All right. So I got to tell you, Joy. This has been pun intended, a joy to have you on the show. And this topic is so near and dear to my heart. And it is my hope that the Improve It Peeps listening can take this message to their leadership and really stress the importance of a neurodivergent workforce, why it's so important to really listen, why it's so important to ask the right questions, and why it's so important to really get that feedback as a leader, I think are so, so key. So I'm so grateful to have you on this show and to know you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Erin. It has been such a pleasure. So thank you so much for this, giving me this opportunity. <laughs> thank you. No, the pleasure is mine. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Joy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Okay, improve it, peeps. What a joy. What a woman. And what a conversation. I'm so grateful. Joy actually brought this topic up to me as an opportunity to share something that's super passionate about, or she is super passionate about. And I'm so grateful because this conversation needs to happen more and more in organizations. And so if this is something that your leadership is not necessarily highlighting or having conversations about, this is what I want you to do. You know, I'd love to give you some homework. Take today's show, 
and I want you to send the link to your leadership and say, here are three tips to managing neurodiverse team members. I want to have a conversation about this because we know we have people in our organization who are neurodiverse, and I want to make this a space where they feel seen, heard, and valued. If you're already doing this in your organization, even better, but I really want you to focus on how can I impact anyone around me? So if this isn't something that your organization needs, you can always improve, of course. Send it to a friend who is a leader who could use this type of language and this type of information within their senior leadership staff, because it's such an important topic. And it's something that, as you can see, Joy is so passionate about. I really, truly believe in, and I love her intention of the top of the show, allyship. The more allies we can bring around this topic, the more people are going to feel like they can show up at work and be their true, authentic selves, and they can feel seen, heard, and valued every single day. What an environment, what a space, and what a world to live in when you can show up at your job and you feel like you're supposed to be there and that your ideas matter. Let's make every single population within our organization feel that way. So your homework is to send this episode link to somebody who needs to hear it today. That's it. Improve it, peeps. As you know, I'm so proud of you. Keep up this work. Keep investing in yourself. Keep failing. Keep improving because the world needs that special, special it that only you can bring. I'll see you next week. Hey, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Improve It. I am so happy you are along for the ride. If you enjoyed this show, head on over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Now, if you're really feeling today's show and you've improved it even just a little bit, please take a screenshot and tag me at Keeping It Real Deal on Instagram and share it in your stories. I'll see you next week, but I I want to leave you with this thought. What did you improve today and how will that help your future successful self? Think about it. I am rooting for you and the world needs that special it that only you can bring. See you next time. <laughs>